Hello, welcome to my podcast, where I, as a psychologist and priest, examine the gospel. My name is Peter Doherty. As I mentioned, I'm a Roman Catholic priest and a psychologist who integrates both psychology and scripture studies to understand the gospels, to seek out practical teachings. Today's podcast focuses on the gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 15 to 21. This gospel will be proclaimed in Catholic churches on Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. In today's gospel, Jesus is approached by the Pharisees with a question. Jesus is asked if it is lawful to pay taxes. A simple question, and I suspect many people are probably asking it still today. Matthew describes the conversation in almost verbatim. I doubt if this is accidental. We can hear the sarcasm dripping off the Pharisees. They're not interested in the answer, but have the thinly veiled desire to incriminate Jesus. They present Jesus a dilemma. If Jesus says yes, pay taxes, he will lose the support of the people and be seen as a collaborating with the hated Roman occupiers and thus labeled a traitor. If Jesus says no, don't pay taxes, he'll be seen as a rebel, a threat to the Romans, and would likely be arrested and imprisoned. Either way, the Pharisees would achieve their goal. Let's pause for a moment and talk about these Pharisees. Jesus called them hypocrites. They were frequently opposed to what Jesus was trying to teach. And today's gospel is an example. Ironically, though, some of the most profound teachings came from the from Jesus' response to the challenges of the Pharisees. Again, today's gospel is an example. God is still able to fulfill his will, even in situations of opposition. People have a tendency to lump all the Pharisees together, often with the scribes and Sadducees. As in any group, there are likely members who don't fully agree with the dominant position of the group. Remember Nicodemus? He was a Pharisee who sought out Jesus in the middle of the night, John chapter 3, verse 2. And during the trial of Jesus, he reminded his colleagues that a person has a right under the law to be heard. Again, John chapter 7. The tragedy with the Pharisees is they, of all people, knew the prophecies and the Talmud, and would probably have been best prepared to recognize the Messiah in their midst. Because of their rigid views and expectations of the Messiah, they were unable or unwilling to recognize Jesus for who he was. I wonder what Jesus thought about the Pharisees. Yes, I know he called them hypocrites and was harsh a few times in his criticisms. Likely Jesus knew many of them. We read in the Gospel that Jesus frequently had dinners with religious leaders, and likely Pharisees were among the guests, maybe in some cases the host. Despite his criticisms, he was likely on good terms with many of them. No doubt, some were completely threatened by Jesus. Of course, we will hear more from those who are more vocal. I will likely have a podcast on the dark side of responding to religion. No surprise, Jesus' answer was brilliant and moves their ill-intentioned question into a profound teaching about what it means to be a Christian, a follower of Christ. Jesus does not get caught into the dynamics of the question, but challenges his listeners to reflect on where God is in their life. This is a question Christians need to ask on a daily basis. I suspect most people drift away from their priorities rather than rejecting them. We need to be reminded of our priorities in our lives on a timely basis. 
The point Jesus makes is as real today as it was when Jesus first said it. Do we give to God what belongs to God? This raises several questions. The most obvious is what belongs to God? Is following God simply going to church on a regular basis? Living a good moral life? Paving tithes? We have the story of the rich young man who asks Jesus, what must he do to inherit eternal life? This gospel can be found in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 to 30, or the gospel of Mark chapter 10, verse 17 to 31, or even the gospel of Luke chapter 18, 18 to 30. The young man lists all the positive things that he has done, and Jesus is, is pleased, but tells the young man there's still one thing he lacks, and that is to go and sell everything that he owns and follow Jesus. What an invitation. Think about it. If that invitation was offered to me, I'd have a garage sale at the end of my driveway tomorrow. Can you imagine the honor, the privilege of walking with Jesus, getting to know Jesus directly? I am quite envious. The story concludes with the young man walking away because he was very rich. Personally, I'm not sure it's the end of the story. I don't think a calling by Jesus is a one-shot deal. We've got to get it right the first time. The story does give us some idea of what we must do, but we are still left with the question, and with the passage, come follow me. What does that mean? I'm reminded of the parable of the sower, who sows the seed on the path and the thorns, etc. I'm particularly drawn to the last part of the story, where it ends, Matthew chapter 13, verse 8, with the expression, some seed will producing 30, 60, or 100-fold. Not everyone produces a hundredfold, and I don't believe it's the point. It's not about quantity. This theme is further portrayed in the story from Mark, chapter 12, verse 42, and I quote, A poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. That commitment is inspiring few. Is inspiring. Few could do that. I propose it is not what or how much we do that is a sign of our living our faith. There's a wide range of abilities and opportunities to do good things in our lives. Some people have more opportunities than others. I don't see any teaching in the scriptures. We are supposed to do more of something. Well, maybe with a possible exception of prayer and forgiveness. I propose it's what we are doing now is what is important. And let us focus on living the teachings of our faith in all that we do. The disciples give us an example of how to live our lives, our lives of faith, more deeply. One of the major challenges for the committed Christian is to stay focused. As I said, I suspect most people don't reject their faith, but drift from it. The priority of God in their life gets overshadowed by the cares and the demands of life, particularly modern life. Keeping focused is more than half the challenge. Let me give you some suggestions to help you stay focused. Living our faith involves studying God's Word. Reading a book on spirituality or scripture is a good idea. There are even some great spiritual presentations on YouTube you might consider. I suggest, though, getting some recommendations first to ensure you find someone who is truly spiritual. Unfortunately, there are a few false prophets out there, so ask around. You can contact me for suggestions as well. 
some may consider seeking out a spiritual director. Having a monthly chat with a knowledgeable spiritual director can do a lot to deepen your faith. Meeting regularly with a spiritual director will help you stay focused, and he or she can call you out if you start to drift away. It's also smart, pardon me, part of our faith response. It should have a central spot, but so many good Christians struggle with their prayer attempts. This is normal. Sometimes our expectations of what is supposed to happen gets in the way. There are many excellent resources on prayer forms. Let me know if I can suggest any for you. Reflection and meditation are another set of tools to help us remain focused. One form of prayer practice that has fallen into disuse is the examination of conscience. For many, it was used as a way to examine what they did wrong. But I urge them, the examination of conscience should also focus on the grace moments of our lives as well. I urge you to develop a spirit of gratitude for the many blessings you have received. I predict that over 90% of the blessings we have been received have gone unrecognized. Sometimes we take credit for our achievements without recognizing some of the help we had along the way. Having a sense of gratitude is good for our mental health, but is also critical for the development of our faith. Finally, be gentle with yourself. Even though we want to live our faith as central in our lives, it's normal to drift from time to time. Making the decision to gently reorientate ourselves back to our priorities is itself a sign of faith. It's when we give up we are in danger of losing our faith. Let the gospel we heard today remind us to refocus our lives to God, knowing that God always welcomes us back. Thank you for listening. If this is the first time you've heard my podcast and you are interested in hearing more, I urge you to listen to my first podcast where I outline my approach. Also, you can reach me by email. That is peter.doherty, O-M-I, at gmail.com. So that's Doherty, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y, O-M-I, at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions on how I can make this podcast more effective, please let me know. You've probably guessed I'm new at podcasting. Take care, and God bless you all.